0: Lights, camera, action.
1: Hi, I'm Dani Alisea. Welcome back to another episode of Mixtake, a world outspoken podcast where we discuss film, television, entertainment, representation, and why we think it's worthy of deeper conversation.
0: And I'm Bob Rivers. Today we ask the question, should ethnic actors ever anglicize their names to assimilate into the culture of Hollywood? Today, we look at the Estevez family. Martin Sheen is their father. Emilio Estevez is the older son. Charlie Sheen is the younger son. So you have the father, son, and the son with no room for the Holy Spirit. When is it okay, and when is it wrong to assimilate? That's kind of the question we're going to ask, and you're in luck, because today you're, you're going to get the definitive answer on this episode of Mixtape.
1: Wow, I can't wait for the definitive answer. That sounds very, very finite.
0: Yes, Donnie Hello. will de- will deliver that that answer. So <laughs> listen closely, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she'll give you that wisdom. All right, but
1: Rob, So so break it down for us the the Sheen slash family.
0: Yes, let's press play and just jump in. Donnie, mm-hmm. let me just start off. What do you know about Martin Sheen? Uh, wh- when I say Martin Sheen, when I say Emilio Estevez, when I say Charlie Sheen, what shows or projects come into your head?
1: Man, that's a great question. Okay, so for Martin Sheen, and I think Martin Sheen is the dad, right? He is. Of the three. Okay. He's the Poppy. The poppy. So some things that come to mind for him, uh I think two and a half men like he's he no. would show up every once in a while. Oh, right? he would on show?
0: I don't know. Like? Oh wow. Or maybe I was it was com- a- I was coming quick to jump jump in on that one, but you might be oh. right.
1: I, I'm not exactly sure. Um the only film that I really know him from is The Departed. Um mm,
0: okay. I think
1: he, yeah, he he plays like the captain or something. Um but besides that I'm not super familiar with his his filmography. So what is Martin Sheen in?
0: Well, I think his uh his most famous role has to be uh the president of, of the United States in the show The West, the West Wing. Wing.
1: Right. That,
0: to me that's kind of when when i think of martin sheen honestly that's that's kind of the first thought that i have oh yeah ah. the president of the united states i mean he's an accomplished actor so i know that he's in very famous movies apocalypse now and i'm mm-hmm. trying to i'm trying to remember off the top of my head some of these other ones yeah and by by off the top of my head i mean scrolling down imdb <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i think part of it is just he you know he might have been bigger in like the the 90s maybe early 2000s stuff like yeah. that even like the west wing was one of those like um those or like 90s early 2000s shows that was super popular i didn't really watch the show so not super you know familiar with with him in that but
0: oh yeah and he was also in that movie the american president have you ever seen that with um um, Michael Douglas and he's the president and and he he's got he's dating somebody and it's kind of like a very like imagine the President of the United States in a mm. dating relationship while he's the president, and it kind of dives into that Michael J. Fox is in it,
1: oh yeah, yeah, I feel like our parents would have watched him and stuff, yeah, but like Emilio Estevez, on the other hand, yeah he was my guy, so that's like Quack. Quack. late. <laughs>
0: Quack, quack, eighties, <laughs>
1: nineties, the mighty ducks, their Breakfast Club, Saint Almost Fire. Like he was so, so very cool. Uh, like he was the guy that every teenage girl had a crush on. He was that, that actor that was just like, oh, he's so cute. He's funny. He's relatable. He's got that like cute guy next door look. Um, But tons of like acting chops, at least it seemed in in the films that we watched.
0: When I think of Emilio Estevez, I think of lots of great movies, all the ones that you've mentioned. Uh, But you know what? I I don't know why this one comes into my head. He did like a parody of police parody. It was Loaded Weapon. That's what it was called. Mm. Loaded Weapon. And it was kind of a spoof on Lethal Weapon and some other um, kind of uh, cop movies of, of the 80s and 90s or whatever. Uh, or 80s right maybe, yeah. um, and then did you did you know that he was in uh, Mission Impossible?
1: I did not know that the, th-
0: the first movie. Yeah, ah, oh. he, he dies like right away.
1: Oh, oh he, he dies that right guy. away.
0: He's in the elevator helping out the mission, and and um, I won't spoil who the bad guy in the movie is, but the bad guy sets it up so that uh, the elevator kind of crushes him. That makes sense. So. The, the um, only
1: the only Latino in the film gets killed in the first five
0: minutes. Yeah, exactly. It that tracks. Yeah, yeah. No, no surprises there. Um, if his name, yeah, I would like to see what 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 would have happened if his name was Sheen.
1: Yeah. Oh, for speaking, sure.
0: Speaking of Sheen, what about uh, Charlie Sheen? Uh, what comes to your to your mind on when you think about him?
1: Okay, the big Charlie Sheen films probably Platoon would be at the top of the list. That's um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is another kind of big one of his. Man, that's old um, school. I know, right? I was literally just like, ah, I need to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's been a while. Um, another big one that I could think of, aka that I could find as I'm scrolling through.
0: You know, John? I love Major League. Did you have you ever seen that movie where it's the Cleveland Indians, the owners? The owner is going to sell the team if they don't make the playoffs or something. I forget. There's a there's some sort of benchmark mm. that they have to hit, and so the it and so the owners kind of making it hard for the team to win. Maybe getting rid of key players and things like that. And uh, he's on this team, and they're going to prove her wrong, and and they call him the Wild Thing. He's this pitcher who throws really hard, and but he's a little bit oh. out of control, and yeah. Anyway. Really good. He's an Eight Men Out back in the day. That's a, a movie about the White Sox, and I'm a, I'm an unashamed Chicago White Sox fan. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit of history. It's a bad history. That's when uh, the White Sox threw the World Series back in uh, yeah. 1918, a couple of years mm-hmm. before I was born.
1: Right. And, uh, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. I'm sure people will be like, you missed this movie and that movie. But of course, Two and a Half Men, I think is,
1: yeah, his one of big- his,
0: yeah, his.
1: Absolutely. Something that he's
0: more famous for, more more recently, I would say.
1: Yeah, probably younger, the most had, recent.
0: Yeah, when he was younger, he had a lot of a lot of great roles. He also did a a, a spoof movie called Hot Shots back in the day. Anyway, whatever.
1: Oh yeah, and and they did uh, Wall Street. Him and his dad, Martin Sheen, they played a oh. father and son in the film.
0: Well, kind of interesting. Go. That is interesting. You know, it's interesting also because as. I was kind of digging into this. I was intrigued by, by the idea that you have uh, Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen, and right in the middle of them is Emilio um, Estevez. And as I go through interviews, as I'm looking looking this up, there seems to be a close bond between Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. So let me kind of give you a little bit of, of background here, especially for those who don't know. and. Uh, Martin Sheen was actually born, Martin Sheen was born Ramon Antonio Estevez, but his name can be deceptive because um, he's mixed. His parents are both immigrant parents, one from Ireland, the other one from Spain. Um, so yes, those Spanish roots, those Irish roots. Uh, so the question is, why did he change his name? Well, here's the fun fact. He never changed his name. His name is still Ramon Esteres, but in terms of his stage name, um, he in 1959, he arrived to a very prejudiced New York, a prejudice against uh, Latinos, especially the Puerto Rican community, which he says he loves very much. Um, but in the business, as he's trying to to establish himself as an actor, They look at him and they think, you look way too Irish to have the last name, Estevez. So he created the name Martin Sheen. Martin is after a casting director that he adored, uh, Robert Dale Martin. And Sheen was after this televangelist kind of guy named Fulton J. Sheen, who when he watched him, he he thought, wow, this guy's a great performer. And and I really like the, the way he hones his craft came up with the hmm. name Martin Sheen. Uh but in in the very beginning when he would work regular jobs, he was Ramon and then when he would act, he became Martin. So he had this kind of double double lifestyle. Um, and an interesting thing about the first name that he chose, Martin,
1: is his the the last name, his father's last name, uh Martinez Martin is the first part of Martinez.
0: Oh, right. I didn't say his father's name, but you're right. Francisco Francisco. Estevez. Yeah, Martinez. You're right. Yeah,
1: so kind of interesting that there's also a family connection and part of the first name.
0: I know. Martin.
1: Dang, Gina! (laughs) Martin Lawrence! Yeah.
0: Some Good stuff. So let me jump into Emilio Estevez. And, of course, I gave the little quack- quack quack call out earlier okay
1: well you know what's funny rob as you're saying his name estevez i grew up hearing his name emilio estevez yes so like i've said his name wrong my whole life so apologies during this show if i say his name wrong because again i just grew up hearing emilio estevez i I don't think i ever saw the accent mark over the first or the second e before
0: yeah i've learned this you know throughout time I think I mentioned this in an earlier episode where I was in a class in kindergarten and I heard the teacher call out the student by the last name Diaz
1: mm-hmm. which
0: later on I learned was Diaz. And I was like, "Oh."
1: Yeah, well, that's season 2 episode 4 our episode on Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Who we've known as in the industry as Zoe Saldana up until literally this year where she said, "No, actually there's a tilde over the n." I took it off because of exactly that. In kindergarten, a teacher said her name wrong and whatever, whatever. So exactly the same here. Zoe Saldana, Emilio Estevez, their names are their names, and we, we will get them right on the show. I will at least attempt to do my
0: best. No, exactly, exactly. Like our producers, Michelle Perez, but for all time, you know, like growing up, you hear in the media, Perez.
1: Perez, yeah.
0: Julian Jumpin' Perez.
1: Oh, you're right. If you're from Chicago, it's a popular hits and hip hop station is B96. And he's a one of the main DJs. And even you, Rob, Robert Rivera, Rivera, we don't ever really say it that way.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. Keep the accents in the right place, though. Absolutely.
1: So tell us more about uh, Emilio Estevez.
0: Yes. Early on, he was actually encouraged to take on the name Sheen. I think that was because they wanted a connection to his father, right? His father's right. in the industry. Hey, you're part of this family. I think it's always fun to make connections when you don't know that they're there, like Angelina Jolie and uh, John Voigt. Yeah, true. But it's also helpful to carry on a legacy that maybe your family has already built. So they wanted him to do Sheen. He said he didn't look Hispanic, you know, that phrase again, that
1: which is like, hear. what does Hispanic look like? We're exactly. light, we're medium, we're dark, we're extra dark, we're, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 In other words, let me rephrase that. He didn't look like the monolith that their ignorant minds couldn't imagine. Mm. There, I fixed it.
1: There you go. Thank you.
0: He tried Emilio Sheen. He looked at the paper and he was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> Emilio Sheen. <laughs> Emilio. Right. But here's the cool thing. Martin encouraged him to keep the name Estevez. Um He said, don't make the same mistake I made. And he tried to encourage him that a wave of Latino influence was coming. And he was right. Mm. And I'm actually happy that we have a whole lot of actors now who keep their names. Absolutely. One of them being J-Lo, which
1: we talked about earlier in the season, Zoe Saldana, aka Zoe Saldana, and so many others. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So many, so many. And now it's kind of less common now for, for people to change, to change their names. Mm -hmm. Uh, to drop that Latino
1: kind of okay so you look at somebody like Bruno Mars he's a huge R&B hip-hop star you know pop music is literally he's he's such a cultural influencer with songs like 24 Karat Magic, Uptown Funk and then going back a little bit to Billionaire Grenade he's the stuff of of champions and just like a natural talent But he wasn't born Bruno Mars. He was born Peter Jean Hernandez or Peter Jean Hernandez. So in an interview with GQ, he explained that he changed his name. One, to sound like he was from another planet because record labels kept trying to make him like the next Enrique Iglesias. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, with the last name Hernandez, like, what else are they trying to do? So, you know, he's born to... A Puerto Rican Jewish father from Brooklyn who was a percussionist and a singer dancer, his mom from the Philippines, they met in uh, Hawaii. They nicknamed him Bruno growing up because he looked like a, a famous wrestler, Bruno San Martino. Yeah,
0: we don't talk about Bruno.
1: <laughs> but when he was going into the industry, he's like, you know what, I need, I need, to, you know, i keep the Bruno, but the last name, I need to change it again so that it just sounds otherworldly. So even today, I mean, you know, he came onto the scene a good 15-ish years ago. But still, that's right relatively recent where a person coming into the industry is still feeling that pressure of, I need to consider changing my name so that I don't get pigeonholed into a single market when I know the market that I'm trying to reach is actually a broad Billboard Top 100 market.
0: I was going to say, I guess we see that a lot with rappers.
1: But he's not a rapper. He's a singer.
0: But what I was going to say is, I see the music industry is a little bit different. I hear what you're saying because I do get that. But it's uh, it's more accepted, I think, in the music industry for people to have like fake names. You got Prince. I mean. You know, you got like Bad Bunny. You got Eminem.
1: Yeah, it's a little different if you're, if you're an MC because then you just have your rap name. So there's it. that. But like then you have like the Christina Aguilera's or the Ariana Grande's or the Selena Gomez's who keep their full, you know, names, they don't anglicize them, they don't, you know, do anything to to change them. And maybe part of it is, I, I mean, we could consider gender even a part of this conversation. But it is interesting that there is sometimes a cost to what we want to do. And the world still isn't as, as woke as we think we are, there's still a long way to go. We've come a long way.
0: Don't get me wrong, yeah. but there's still a lot of work to be done. Did you know that Ariana Grande and I share the same birthday?
1: <laughs> I did not. Yeah. When's your birthday? I don't know. I'm sorry.
0: No, that's okay. That's fine. You don't know her birthday either. I'll just say this. We were born several years apart from each other.
1: <laughs> just a couple?
0: I think she's older. Oh. I can't. I can't. For those who are Came interested,
1: from... June 26, 1993.
0: Yep, that's the year I was born.
1: I want to see who has a birthday on, on my day now. Is there anybody, or am I the most famous person I know with? (laughs) That would be very sad, because I'm not famous at all. Sad. Yep, pretty sad. This is the important stuff
0: that we cover on the show, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us more. Tell us more about Charlie Sheen. So Emilio Estevez Estevez heard from his father and said, hey, keep your name. And he's like, all right, we'll do, because Emilio Sheen looks a little crazy. But then we have Charlie, who we know is Charlie Sheen. So he obviously changed his name. What was his journey like?
0: He was born Carlos Erwin Estevez. So the question is, why the name changed for him?
1: Oh, hold up, hold up. I just found Tiffany Haddish and I share a birthday. (laughs) Hey! Same year? Let me see. Hang on. No, she's older. How dare you? Oh, wait.
0: Is she? I don't know how old she is. She might
1: be a year younger than me.
0: Yo. Wait,
1: hold on. Let me look it up. Uh, so Tiffany Haddish and I share a birthday, and Ozzy Osbourne and I share a birthday. And he is definitely older, chill.
0: He's older as well?
1: He's definitely older. He's, like, born in, Kay. I don't know, 1908. It's been a long time.
0: Uh, you know, okay, I was born on June 26, Aubrey Plaza, to keep with the Latino uh, theme, theme here. Who is that? Uh, she's from Parks and Rec. She plays uh, Oh,
1: April. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the love interest of... Uh,
0: According to this, Jita, mm-hmm. Derek Jita, born on my birthday.
1: Oh, nice. That's a good one.
0: I was born on his birthday. He, he's just barely older than me.
1: Oh, yeah. I am a year older than Tiffany Haddish. Hey, Tiff. I thought yeah. she was a lot older than me.
0: Yes. Oh, check that out. Nick Offerman, also born on my birthday, and he was born in Joliet. Right, <laughs> this let me, is the let most me, ridiculous me, conversation wait. we've ever let, had on this show. Let me, let me go backwards. I was born on his birthday. Okay. Oh, OK. Charlie Sheen. Why did he change his name from Carlos to Charlie? Well, first of all, these are literally the, the thoughts that he had was he liked the ring to Charlie Sheen over Carlos Estevez or Carlos Sheen. Carlos Sheen, kind of like Emilio Sheen, just not really mm-hmm. doesn't really work as well. Yeah. Also, he says that he wanted to carry on uh, the legacy of his father. So his father had established a name in Hollywood, and he wanted to attach himself to that. And then also, I think he has an uncle that's Carlos Esteles, and he just wanted to... Not that we know who that is, but he wanted to separate himself from that. Yikes. So, I don't know. Whatever. He didn't want to... No confusion is really... Not separate in a bad way, but just make himself unique. In an interview with Univision, the interview starts in Spanish and it quickly turned into him answering the questions in English. So she would ask the question in Spanish, she would answer in English. And then the interview uh, kind of turned in this direction. The lady interviewing asked him, are you in touch with your Latin roots? And he says, yeah, a little bit. I don't know what that means. And she says, do you feel Hispanic or Latino? And he said, not always. No. And then she goes on to ask, you never embrace your background? His reply is, I'm not saying I haven't embraced it, but I never wake up feeling Latino. I'm a white guy in America. I'm not disgraced by it, and I don't run from it. But I was born in New York and grew up in Malibu. It's not very Latino like that. She then asks about his grandfather, and he says that he never met him. Then she goes on to say that his brother and father embraced their Latin roots, and they wrote a book about it. Then the conversation continues on, I should say. And, and Charlie says that he feels less connected with his Latin roots than his, than Martin and Emilio because it was never part of his life growing up. His parents didn't infuse it into uh, their household. So the next question was, do you have any attraction for Latin culture? And he says, for Latin women, I do.
1: <laughs> of course. Oh,
0: we have that in common. And <laughs> Latin food. Look at that. Oh, boy. Right. Am I-, I mean,
1: who doesn't like like Latin food? Am I Charlie Sheen? <laughs> so general, so yeah. <laughs> of course.
0: And actually the comparisons keep coming. He says, "I wish I spoke more Spanish and I'm sure I can learn, but there hasn't been a lot of time lately." And then just out of curiosity, how's your relationship with your father and brother these days?" And he says, "Really good."
1: Mm.
0: I put that in there just because I was curious. You know, when you see Martin and Emilio doing interviews and several different platforms, you start to wonder, where's Charlie? And I know Charlie battled some demons and substance abuse, and there was a lot of off-camera issues that, that he had, but it seems like things are, are better. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Donnie, I think we all understand why Martin Sheen changed his name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, to a degree, right? Sure. We know other people who decided to not anglicize their names. However, Emilio decided to embrace his heritage and keep the family name while Charlie decided to honor his father's legacy, or so he said. Mm -hmm. Were either of these decisions, right or wrong, were either helpful or harmful? Good question.
1: I don't think I can sit in a position where I can say either is right or wrong, or whether it was helpful or harmful, to him. If we take the conversation in a direction where we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, then I think, in that regards, in that conversation, I would say, "Oh, well, ideally, nobody would have to change their name because your name is a part of your identity. You know, I will my whole life, I'll be Daniela Alicea, even if somebody chooses a different nickname or something like that, a part of of my identity is my name. And so, when individuals need to feel like they have to change a part of who they are in order to be acceptable in an industry, regardless of, you know, the reasons or the whatevers, if it's like, oh, I don't want to be pigeonholed, or I don't want to have to speak in this language and only this language, or I don't want to be typecast for this type of role, which we'll get to James Roday in just a second, where he talks about this. It's like, oh, Okay, because of your name, we can't cast you for this, but we might have a a gangbanger role for you. So, uh, you know, right or wrong, you know, Charlie only knows that for, and and those like him that feel like they needed to give up a piece of their heritage for whatever reason. I don't think I could say right or wrong, but I would say that it could be harmful for the, the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like if we want mm-hmm. people to truly feel themselves, they're authentic, transparent. This is me hearkening back to our, our last episode on The Rock. Like this is who I am. I am for for The Rock. He's like, I'm just a big black dude. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Where others don't necessarily have that stance or, or even that awareness about themselves to say this is me. Some They do feel the weight of, I want to be successful here. And if this is what I got to do to be successful, then I'm going to go ahead and give up a piece of me. And in exchange for, you know, whatever, the success, the stardom, the money, the influence, the whatever it is
0: that they're looking for. What's your thought? I think I I find it. I don't know how I would react in that situation. If if I was told the only way to be successful was to change my name to Bob Rivers. Bob Rivers. Would I do it? I'm not sure Bob not Bob Rivers, but maybe something cool, otherworldly, like Bruno did. I'm not sure I think of like women I think of like j k. Rowling, for instance, who was trying to sell a book series on a boy and fantasy ri- fantasy mm-hmm. and she wants she wants there to be appeal to both boys and girls, but if the cover said joanne Rowling, mhm-. Would boys look at that and say, well, "I don't know," or mm-hmm. would parents think, "Oh, this is this would be a great book for my boys," and so we're conditioned to to think certain stereotypes. And so the I don't know if it was her agent or publisher encouraged her to try a different name, and so she just went with the initials of her name, J.K. I think it's like Joanne Kathleen or mm-hmm. something like that. It's it's hard to know what I would do in in that uh, decision. I do agree with you, whether. It doesn't help the conversation around around diversity or in terms of awareness, but I I have a hard time just mm-hmm. saying that I can blame.
1: Absolutely, it's it's a cultural thing. It's like these are microcosm issues that keep coming up that show us there is something drastically wrong with how we view everything from gender to age to ethnicity. It's like all of the prejudices that we come with, like oh, surely a female author can't write good sci-fi or fantasy, or surely a person with a a last name that sounds so ethnically Mexican or Puerto Rican or Cuban or Argentinian or Ecuadorian, surely that they can't play the role of you know I don't know Shane Williams in The Walking Dead because. X, Y, and Z. It's like, ah.
0: So, as I was watching the interview with with Charlie Sheen, I could see that he was getting uncomfortable. Mm. This also raises another interesting question: Can somebody feel Latino or be recognized as such without speaking Spanish?
1: Can somebody feel Latino or be recognized as such without speaking Spanish? Absolutely, because to be Latino is so much more than just speaking. This was actually a realization that I came to when I was in college. So when I went to college, I was on a predominantly white campus and felt like a lot of my Latino-ness needed to kind of be checked at the door before I checked onto or stepped onto campus because I like to, you know, dance and sing and laugh really loud and play cards and dominoes and like just things that different cultures don't necessarily get. And so it took a while, even in high school, you know, people would be like, oh, you don't speak Spanish. You're not a Latina. And through those experiences in high school, it was like, oh, okay. well, according to you, I don't speak Spanish and I'm not Latino, then fine, I won't be Latino. But then I went to a white campus and on the white campus, I was like, holy smokes, I don't fit in here either. Yep. You know, they told me I wasn't Latino enough, and here I'm not white enough. What am I? And so I was like, okay, let me figure out what is it to be a Latino, to be a Latina, to be Latinx. And I came to the realization that if I was a deaf person, grew up in Mexico, the dominant sign language is ASL, American Sign Language, in North and South America. So if I was deaf, born in Mexico, I would likely be quote-unquote, speaking ASL, American Sign Language, nobody would look at me as though I wasn't Latino, Latina, Latinx enough if I was signing, right? Hmm. So then if that person is just as Latino and they don't speak Spanish, okay, then it's not just language that is the thing that dictates whether one is Latino, Latina, Latinx. I was like, okay, then what is it? So then I had to dig a little further and it's like, "Oh, okay. Well, there's the food we eat. There's how we respect our elders. There's even things like how you greet people when you walk into a gathering or when you leave a gathering. You know, you greet upon entry and you kind of quote-unquote greet upon exit as well. Those types of things,
0: all of those heritage things that go into making a culture. Those are really great points and I agree with you. I would say that there are times where it may be difficult. Like, I don't know the intentions of the interviewer with Charlie Sheen, and I'm not really like defending him or accusing her, but it just yeah, seemed yeah. like she really wanted some sort of answer, a reassurance from him to say, yeah, even though I don't speak Spanish, I am Latino. As if maybe he had more to prove because he didn't speak Spanish. And I will say this, not knowing Spanish is a huge disadvantage in getting to know literature and culture and mm-hmm. music and all those kinds of things for sure. So there are some barriers, but I 100% agree with what you're saying, obviously, because I'm coming from the same camp. So.
1: And, and I think that's one of the disadvantages of, you know, because we can't assume to know somebody's story. So, you know, some Latinos, they'll, they'll look at, at you and I, Rob, and be like, oh, y'all don't speak Spanish. What in the world is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, it's not what in the world is wrong with me. It's what in the world is wrong with this country that forced what would have been my grandparents to make a choice of we need to assimilate because if we don't assimilate, and this was with my grandmother. She grew up in Oklahoma in the school systems there. Whenever she or her siblings would speak Spanish, they would get hit with rulers. Yeah. And so she was like, okay, this, you know, this corporal punishment, my kids will not experience this. So I will not raise my kids speaking Spanish. They're only going to know English. So my aunts and uncles, including my mom, none of them speak Spanish. I I take that back. My oldest aunt and my youngest aunt, they speak Spanish because they grew up closest to my great grandmother. Mm -hmm. So with my uh, grandma's decision of all right we're not going to you know speak spanish we're going to try and assimilate as much as we can into the dominant culture and being yeah. light-skinned latinos it was easier
0: for my family lose the accent because the accent at it's
1: time is going to literally get you beat
0: yeah it's not like oh you're disadvantaged Yeah, there's an assumption of there's a lack of intellect or or whatever because Mm -hmm. the person doesn't speak. Absolutely. All of those
1: ignorant assumptions that, that are made, 100%. So it's not like, oh, what's wrong with you? It's like, man, there's something drastically wrong with our country when people come here to make a new life, a better life for their families, and you feel like you have to leave a part of you at the border, a part of your heritage at the border when you come in. What a disadvantage we then do to the you know our future generations who like us sitting here on this podcast now wishing man i, I wish i knew spanish i wish i knew you know the language of, of our ancestors i feel robbed
0: yeah i always feel robbed <laughs>
1: rob. hey rob feel robbed uh it it was you know but it, it's a decision i have to respect you know my my grandparents making It was like okay they they did the best they could and And they knew what to do. Yeah. Great question.
0: Very good. Are there other uh, examples of this, Donnie?
1: I would say one that we've talked about is James Roday in Hollywood. So James Roday, if you're not familiar, he stars on a show called Psych as Sean Spencer. Psych! Psych! And uh, recently is on a show called A Million Little Things. And his role on that show is Gary Mendez. So when he first started his acting career in the early 2000s, he auditioned for a film called Primal Fear. Mm-hmm. And in that audition, they said they couldn't cast him because his last name was Rodriguez. Yep. He was then offered a chance to audition for a role as a gangbanger, but then they said he didn't look Latino enough. Second audition, this was right before he graduated He went for a role in a DreamWorks produced TV pilot, and they said, quote, their only concern was that the role wasn't written for a Hispanic or Mexican person. They were worried that casting a white guy with a Mexican name could be construed as their version of diverse casting, and there could be a backlash. They said, quote, you might want to give some real consideration to changing your name. So at the time, he was in a checkoff play.
0: That's a catch-22, Donnie.
1: <laughs> it really is. It's like your your name is to this. Your look is to that. What in the world? You know, you're caught in between these two worlds. Yeah. The Mestizaje that James Roday went through. So he went with the name Roday again from a checkoff play that he was in. And he says 20 years Later, the bottom line is I sold out my heritage in about 15 seconds to have a shot at being an actor. So, you know, it's a very complex kind of like we said, it's not the JK Rowling example that you gave. It's not a a catch all decision. It's not like everybody should do this because this is what looks right or wrong or whatever. It's like this is a hugely complex situation. Again, it It reveals the issues that we have in not just our country, too. It's like all around the world, these issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion.
0: You know, it's interesting. I heard a YouTuber kind of critiquing James Roday in this, and she was kind of coming down hard on him. She Like James Roday Rodriguez, she is mixed, and um, maybe she's kept her Latino name. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she was kind of coming down hard on him. But when you think about this, the position that he was in, like you said earlier about your grandmother, it's kind of like you're put in a really tough situation. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make it in this industry. And you think, OK, what's a name? It's just my name. I am who I am. I'm not changing anything about myself. I'm just using a stage name. A lot of authors use pen names. Music entertainers, they'll they'll have a stage name as well. And so for that moment, he's triggered by this really terrible experience for a film that, you know, did well. And I, listen, I'm not here to debate Edward Norton's acting ability versus, you know, James Rodeo. Right, right. But nonetheless, it may have been a really great experience working under that director and whatever. And so he is conditioned early on to say, you're not going to make it. You're going to lose roles. And how many more roles are you going to lose before you change your name? And so he changes his name Mm -hmm. and then feels kind of that guilt later on.
1: Right. Which is, ah, you know, sometimes it's guilt. It's, you know, what you did. And sometimes it's shame what's done to you. And so for, I would say for me, like not speaking Spanish, sometimes there is a shame, especially now i am around more spanish speakers my boyfriend's family some of them only speak spanish we're headed to spain in a couple weeks i'm nervous because i'm like Mm. google translate where you at (laughs) (laughs) and i i it's it's shameful being a brown person who shows up to a brown party and doesn't speak the brown language, you know, like, oh my goodness, I am a Latina. My heritage is here in Spain, and I just don't speak the language. Yeah. It's yeah. That piece of it is is very real for me. And I would imagine, Man. you know, similarly for James Rodé Rodriguez, who it's like, ah, oh, you're just trying to make it and do something you love and you're passionate about. He is a creative. He's an artist. He's an actor, and it's like, ah, I'm just trying to do something here and make a my, you know, put my imprint in the world. And the way to do that just becomes so incredibly difficult in an industry that is, man, is is set up to make you fail. Is yep. is like we're gonna put you in these types of small roles where you're, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Really, pretty much gangbangers and. Maybe a cop role here and there. But like you're going to be a crooked cop with your cousin gangbanger. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. ah,
0: yikes. They'll never let me be Batman. No.
1: Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. All right. This is the part of the show where we press pause and just reflect on kind of some of the things related to the Sheens, to the Estevez family, and just what we think. So, Rob, give us some of your your final thoughts here.
0: I went to church last Sunday, as I normally do on Sundays, mm-hmm. and uh, one of our pastoral residents was preaching, mm-hmm. Kerry Weiss, and he delivered a message about shame and how we carry shame. don't want to butcher what he said. What he said was really powerful stuff, but here's kind of some of the idea. Shame comes when we place our identity in things that we want to be or want to do, in an, in other words, It's when we misplace our identity. We want to be, you know, whatever you're striving for. If you want to be a good Christian, you want to be a successful whatever. I know, like many others, I wanted to be a professional athlete when I was younger. I learned very quickly by the age 15 or something that that was not going to really happen. But here's the thing. If our identity is wrapped up in those things, I think about an Olympic athlete who trains for four years if they don't have the right perspective to understand that this is not everything about them, this is not their full identity, it could be devastating to lose. It could be crushing to pour all your life and everything that you are only to go and lose. And when we fail, we feel shame and we think we're not as good as you know we should be. Our identity is then wrapped up in our performance. And so then the takeaway is if our identity is in Christ, then there is no performance because if our identity in Christ is a position where we're children of God, we're redeemed, and those are things that we don't do. Those are things that God does for us, and it's not contingent on our performance. So I can fail, and my position in Christ is still the same. When I fail in other things, I then feel shame and I, I feel like I need to hide these things or I don't want to address them. And if you have freedom in Christ, you, you have the freedom to approach God and know that you know he accepts you for who you are. So when I was thinking about James Roday or even Charlie Sheen, I'm thinking about some of the shame that they may feel or experience in the fact that, yeah, they don't connect well with, with their Latin roots or not as well as they wished that they did. And so my question then is, how does shame play into the way that you interact with your roots and your Latino culture? And not just you, but any of us. You've already said this, Donnie, but I've been told this as well. like You're not Latino enough. You're not Puerto Rican enough. Mm -hmm. So the next question I have with that is, when you hear that, does it make you want to work harder to prove yourself or to distance yourself in shame?
1: I think the younger you are, you try and like work harder and stuff like that. And then the older you are, I don't think there's a distancing, but there's just an ownership of like, this is how my Latino-ness and this is how my heritage is displayed. So I don't think for me, at least there wasn't ever the shying away, maybe a little in high school when it was like, people were like, oh, you're not a Latina because you don't speak Spanish. I was like, forget y'all then. I'll take my little happy <laughs> self on, you know.
0: But did you then say, "Okay, I'm going to embrace people of different cultures because my culture doesn't want me"?
1: Absolutely, yeah, okay. and for sure that happens. I think there's a book called "Why Why Do All the Black Kids Sit at the Same Table in the Lunch Room?" Something like that. It's really long. And that happened to me in college. It was like, you know, why do all the Latinos and why do all the brown people, you know, black, Latino, Asian, Native American, why do why do these people kind of gather together? And there are just so many things that make up who we are. There's so many unifying factors. So it was just kind of a natural gravitational thing. It was like, yeah, I want to learn other people and, and learn other cultures and celebrate diversity. But where I felt most comfortable was with, honestly, other people that looked like me, sounded like me, had experiences like I did. We just saw the world in a similar way. And and there's a homeness, a familiness to that, a familial bond that's like, oh, you get me, you feel me. Now, obviously that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate and applaud other perspectives. No great thing was created with just looking at the prism in one way. Like we need all the 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 diversity of angles in the prism to get all the colors for something to make it great. So I would say there was definitely a pulling away, there was a pressing in, and now there's just a comfort with like, this is who I am and, you know, kind of take it or leave it. And of course, I'm still trying to, to learn Spanish. You know, I don't just give up willy nilly, like, ah, you know, whatever. I I want to learn and, and do, Mm -hmm. do my best to connect with that part of our culture. How yeah. about you? What
0: are your feelings on this? Yeah, definitely. You know, what's funny is like there were times where I was really working hard to learn Spanish and then I would say, I would say things wrong or, you know, yes. the accent wasn't on point oh. and I would just get made fun of. And I just, my will was broken.
1: Yeah. It's uh, so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my word.
0: I only really try like with like my grandmother who only speaks Spanish and we, we have a way of communicating. Yeah. But uh I, for a long time, Donnie, honestly, I would sidestep and, and just, if I felt like a group was really super Latino, I would, it made me nervous. Like, oh no, I'm going to be exposed.
1: Yes. They're going to um, find out.
0: I told Ricky Badia that I really appreciate World Outspoken and just being part of this network and getting to know the great people World Outspoken has been super helpful and healing in all of this. Even though I have a very Latino community around me still. For a long time, I was a, a youth pastor, fun fact, and a lot of the kids in the youth group were in the same situation as me, and so I felt very comfortable in that way. So I don't shy away from Latinos, but I think there are times where I feel like, uh-oh, I'm going to be exposed, and so I may I may feel very reluctant to engage in, the, in that way. And so mm. when I saw Charlie Sheen, I, I thought, I think that some of that is going on with him. and it was probably mm-hmm. more comfortable to take his father's name than keep his family name for that very reason because Charlie Sheen doesn't get a lot of questions. But, of course, when it comes out like, oh, this is your your actual name, those questions come. But if his name is Estevez, maybe people will start speaking to, to him in Spanish automatically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's just a reminder every single time like, oh, I'm not in touch with, with that part of my heritage. Mm-hmm. So it's all really interesting and what is great though, Donnie, and I think you touched on this, is there's a point where you just come to accept who you are. And of course, in the big pictures, I'm not trying to preach sermons here, but our identity is in Christ
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's where it all begins. And so I love my culture and heritage and I don't I don't think I, our culture, our ethnicity, I don't think that those things should be kind of pushed to the side. I think they're very much a part of who we are, but I feel more freedom to engage with those parts of me when i realize that if i fail in those things they don't define who i am
1: man if i fail the hard part is like there's really truly no failing cuz it's just like we are who we are so the expression of our culturalness isn't like who has that measuring stick like nobody you know like even cultures right. change over time so in one sense yes there is a comfort in like you know john 10 Uh, No one can snatch me out of the father's hand. Like I belong to Jesus, period. That's that. I belong to the father. Like, you know, my salvation is secure. But, you know, then this piece of like figuring our humanness out. I think there's so much grace that we get from the Lord that is like, ah, you know, we're figuring stuff out. We're figuring ourselves out. We continually change you know, sometimes I'll react to something and I'm like, wow, why did I react in that way? That's surprising. I mm. still am learning me. Yeah. So, you know, so in in one sense, it's like, ah, you know, there's no like right to culture. It's our individual interpretation of it, engagement with it, expression of it. And we just get to, you know, enjoy fruits of our heritage, I think. I think that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to enjoy it, to express it, and then for others to also be able to enjoy and express.
0: Well said Donnie. And we kept this to a Latino 30 minutes. <laughs> Latino time. 30 minutes. We late. We late.
1: All right. So thank you all so much for for joining us in this conversation about just names and their importance and name changes and how are we, what are we willing to, to give up in order for success and all that good stuff? And is it right? Is it wrong? I'm just grateful for the space to discuss these things. So if you enjoyed this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in. Also head over to worldoutspoken.com, a site preparing the Mestizo Church for Cultural Change, Where you'll find information on consulting services, thought provoking blog posts, and other great podcasts such as The Feature, Questions from the Pew, the brand new podcast La Ventanita, and the one and only Mestizo Podcast, the show for the mixed people of the mixed church. And you can also check out uh, amazing articles like Is Your Bible Anti Black? The Grace of Babel, and Seeing Jesus in the Invisible.
0: A special thanks to. Michelle Pennyworth and Emmanuel Pepperdine. <laughs> I am just
1: <laughs> I like it.
0: No, they didn't change their names. No. Thanks to Emmanuel Padilla and the World Outspoken crew. Ricky, get your swag on worldoutspoken.com. Oh Is yeah. It .com or org. It's worldoutspoken.com. Dot .com. Dot .com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com.
1: Yeah. yeah. Got my sweatshirt. I got. Yeah, I got my hoodie. Hoodie, my uh, notebook. I even have a little mixtape sticker on
0: my Nalgene bottle. Same z's. I have one on my phone. Love it. So every time I take a, a, a swig, I see Manny waving at me. Nice. Ah, the water even tastes better. We hope you join us again as we continue to dive into the world of culture influencing content creators and performers and entertainers and all of those people. And until next time, cut. It's a wrap.